Welcome to the first episode of Bureau 42's comic book podcast pilot season. Longtime Bureau 42 readers and our podcast listeners will know that I've already got a series of podcasts out, including topics covering movies. I've got the Math from Scratch series covering math. I've got the X-Files and the now complete Doctor Who series covering some of my favorite TV shows. And that's all great, but I have a lot of passions in my life. And there's still two of them that I'm not able to address with Bureau 42 on a regular basis, at least not through the podcasting versions. And those are namely comic books and physics. So I've decided to use the summer school that we've done in the past to keep addressing physics over the years. And I'm going to be looking at it, doing a new podcast for comic books. Now we've got seven different ideas for podcasts. And what we're going to do is record the first two episodes in each series, post them all over a two-week run, and then have our listeners vote on those at the end of those two weeks to determine which podcasts we do or at least which ones we do next. So the first series is the one that kicks off today when we're dealing with Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and that'll be sort of a read-along podcast where we announce which issues we're going to be reading, where the listeners can read along with them and go through that issue by issue for Nick Fury in his S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent incarnation on day two, so on Mondays. For the next two weeks, we're going to be doing the similar thing with the New Warriors read-along. Day three will be comic book physics. Day four will be Grades of the Golden Age, where we go through some Golden Age comics that are available in the public domain from digitalcomicmuseum.com. Day five will be a Daredevil's Advocate series, where one of our listeners comes in as a guest host to advocate for their favorite comic book character, and I will take the defense and argue why Daredevil is the greatest comic book character out there. Day six will be another sort of character comparison, but that one won't be with guest stars. That'll be one suggested by our listeners, and we and I will just run through both in a comparison and try to figure out which of them is the greater character. And on day seven, we'll start off the great runs. So an issue-by-issue read-through, not a one-complete series start to finish, as it will be with Nick Fury and with New Warriors, but rather a great creative team on a particular book. And once that run is done, we'd shift to another creative team. So that one would kick off with the Walt Simonson's Thor run on Saturday. And then next week, it's the second episode in each of those series. At the end of that second week, the voting will be opened and our listeners can decide which podcast they want to hear. We will keep those votes in mind. Some of these, especially the read-alongs, uh, particularly Nick Fury and New Warriors, would-be finite-run series. So once those run their course, if one of those gets voted first, well, we'll take a look at the next highest vote and do that one second and so forth. So without further ado... Let's start the first episode of the first podcast. And now I happen to be enough of a Nick Fury fan that I've got a lot of his appearances. From what I've been able to dig up online, he's got over a thousand confirmed appearances. I own at least 700 of those. Now there are some I know I don't own. There's some I plan to never own given that he was being used as a cameo to sell things in really bizarre comics in some of the 1990s. But I do have the vast majority of them, including every series where he's one of the main cast members. So the original Strange Tales and all of those. The one series he's in that I don't have well represented is Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. I've got the first Marvel Masterworks about that, but I like Nick Fury as a spy more so than as a World War II sergeant. It's not those comics are bad, it's just war comics don't interest me. Now, spy stories and mystery stories, on the other hand, I'm a big fan of. 
So if this is the Chosen Podcast, what you'll hear over the coming weeks and months will be most likely a bi-weekly series where I go through every appearance of Nick Fury I can track down in publication order. At least Nick Fury as a spy, more so than as a war hero. So today we'll be looking in detail at Fantastic Four Volume 1, Issue 21. It's copyright 1963 with a cover date of December 1963, which in those days probably means it was available for sale at some point in September 1963. And it's not Nick Fury in his proper series yet. Up to this point, Nick Fury had only ever appeared in Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, where he was the no-nonsense leader of a World War II commando group. In one of those issues, namely Issue 3 of that series, we find out that he and Reed Richards fought side by side during World War II. This is probably not going to be mentioned in Marvel Comics again because of the sliding time frames. At the time it was published, it made sense for Reed to have fought in World War II about 20 years ago since he was in his late 30s or early 40s when that series launched. And Nick Fury, as we may get to if this is a selected podcast, has found a way to significantly slow down the aging process. We don't know any of that yet. In fact, at this point, Nick Fury still has both of his eyes. So in issue 21, this is the first appearance of Nick Fury outside the Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos comic, which is the first one that's integrating him into the Marvel Universe proper. I mean, yeah, Reed Richards appeared in Sergeant Fury, but that could never be mentioned again. This is what brought Nick Fury into the rest of the Marvel Universe. This is in the classic Lee and Kirby run of the series, being only issue 21 back in the days when it was 12 cents. My copy is on the Fantastic Four Silver Surfer combined DVD-ROM that the Graphic Imaging Technology Corporation put out a few years ago, so it's essentially a PDF scan of the original. Now this was back in the day when covers were still allowed to be wordy, so what we have across the cover is Fantastic Four fighting each other under the sinister spell of the Hatemonger. Don't dare reveal his true identity after reading this tale. A book-length bombshell. This issue's great guest star, Sergeant Fury, more exciting than ever. That's all on the cover, along with Nick Fury dressed as Sergeant Fury from the World War II in some tattered rags, well not rags, but a tattered military uniform, while some character who's essentially dressed like a Ku Klux Klan member but colored purple with an H on his forehead is blasting the Fantastic Four with some kind of ray, and the Fantastic Four bathed in this ray are fighting each other. It's not an exact representation of what happens in the comics. For one thing, the hate monger is not the size of Galactus, who hasn't actually appeared yet at this point, but it's enough of a representation that it should grab your attention. So the title of the story itself is The Hate Monger. It's written by Stan Lee, drawn by Jack Kirby, inked by George Bell, and lettered by Art Simak. Now, it's my understanding that George Bell is actually a pseudonym for George Russo. I may be incorrect in that. I'm not terribly familiar with all of the pseudonyms that were being used in the Silver Age, and there were quite a few of them. But this issue even starts off with a splash page that doesn't promote the story. We just get the hate monger in that outfit. That H is no longer on his forehead. Now it's on his chest. The coloring of the scale mail under the arms is now a distinct blue instead of the purple it was. So there have been some changes in the design between the time the cover was produced and the time that the first page of the issue was produced. And it, the editors predict that this is the most unusual, thought-provoking tale you will read this season. We believe you will agree. Destined to be a Fantastic Four classic is also on the splash page, along with the face or headshots of the four Fantastic Four members drawn quite angrily. So again, it's almost like an alternative cover as the first page. As a quick summary for the story, for those who aren't familiar with it or don't have access to it, 
Uh, we start off with Reed doing some experiments and something is upsetting his Tidescope measuring device. Johnny is throwing darts at a dartboard with Spider-Man's face on it. They haven't quite become the grudging friends yet. Sue Storm is trying on different wigs and saying if they ever film a sequel to Cleopatra and Liz Taylor is too busy, she could step in. She's always wondered what she'd look like with black hair and Ben Grimm or the thing is, you know, out there exercising. And that's what's causing all the vibrations and shaking the building around is Ben Grimm boxing with a giant punching bag, which is made out of metal and mounted on springs, presumably something redeveloped for him. There's some newspapers in, lying around in that room when the other me members of the Fantastic Four come in to talk to the thing. They find out that the hate monger is causing a mob to riot in the city. So later on, when they're walking down the street, they run into the hate monger running one of these mobs and they made a lot of comments about how it seems messed up and backwards that the hate monger has the right to free speech, but if anyone gets offended and hits him for his incredibly hateful speech, they're the ones that get arrested. And he's working the crowd up into a fervor, and the thing basically loses his temper and starts to trash the place. The others are cheering him on until the hate monger blasts the Fantastic Four with his all-powerful H-Ray, which inspires hatred in them, and it's hatred of anything or each other. The four of them are fighting each other until eventually you get to the point where they all decide to break up and split up going four separate ways. And the hate monger says he's done it. Now with the FF safely under his spell of hate, they can proceed. By the time he's done, all of Earth will be under his control. So Reed Richards heads back to the Baxter building, and he finds that a lot of the security and doormen in the lower floors have been worked over quite heavily. As he proceeds, he finds there's Nick Fury coming to see Reed, and he's just beating up everyone who's getting in his way, and doing it quite handily. As I said before, he's there with both eyes, although he is already smoking cigars. Now Nick Fury is already aware of the hate monger and what he's got, and it doesn't take long for him to figure out that Reed has been blasted by the H-Ray. In any event, he recruits Reed Richards to go fly to San Gusto to help stop what the hate monger is doing down there. But Nick Fury, in this case, stays behind to try and figure out how to break them out of the hate monger's spell. And when Reed takes off in the pogo plane, which is also there, when Reed takes off in the pogo plane, the other members of the Fantastic Four see it and spurn partly by their hatred, they figure, well, where's Reed going without me? Forget it, I want a piece of the action. They all come back to the Baxter building to figure out what's coming on. They mean Nick Fury, who basically manipulates them and teases them, figuring out that they've got the hate monger, so he goads them into heading after them. So they take their personal ICBM and use that to launch themselves out to San Gusto. Now, the hate monger's out there filling the place with hate gas, trying to drive the hate and keep this going, while Reed Richards in particular, because he got the head start, is fighting on the side of the government to prevent the hate monger and his rebels from taking over. Sergeant Fury does catch up. Now, in Nick Fury, in this case, we find out he's working for the CIA, but he's still more like a very intelligent military officer. So he's coming in guns blazing, just like old times. He's coming in and manages to get a dose of the antidote to Reed Richards, who realizes what's been going on, and Reed grabs some of the antidote. The hate monger temporarily gets away. Nick Fury goes chasing after him while Reed rounds up the other members of the Fantastic Four, force feeds them the antidote, brings them all back on the same side, and they go out after the hate monger. Now at this point, Sue hasn't developed her invisible force field powers yet, so she's unable to stop the hate monger with the force field or anything like that, but she does sneak up behind him and throw off his aim while others bring him down. And it is Nick Fury that lands the last few blows that knock the hate monger unconscious. Reed pulls the mask off and here's that big shocking ending that they talked about. They'll never know whether the hate monger was the real Adolf Hitler or one of the many doubles the Fuhrer was reported to have. So it has been the hate monger as Adolf Hitler who's been driving all this the whole time. Meanwhile, the Fantastic Four obviously make up and go back to the States. We're not going to see Nick Fury again for a while, but bringing him in as a CIA agent seems to be that when 
when they had the idea to do a story with Adolf Hitler as the hate monger and he's driving it, well, that was a natural fit to bring in one of their World War II characters who they'd already established that Reed knew and had served with. So it felt more like they were trying to cross-promote the titles by having one character guest star in another book than it did that they had a real plan for Nick Fury to become a major force for espionage in the Marvel Universe from that point forward. It's possible they did. It doesn't really feel that way. If it was a happy accident, then it was a very happy accident, because putting him in the CIA did set the stage for what we're going to see next. Now, Nick Fury and his Helen Commandos, that Sergeant Fury title would keep going for over a decade, both with new stories and eventually with reprints of older stories going right into the 70s. Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. would come out a few months later, and that would be the subject of next Sunday's podcast in this series, and that'll be Strange Tales. So the Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. series starts in Strange Tales 135, still under Lee and Kirby until Jim Steranko takes over, and that's when Nick Fury really became something unique in the Marvel Universe. After that, we're going to see Nick Fury guest starring in a number of other titles, most frequently Captain America and Iron Man, but he does show up elsewhere. When his own solo titles fold, he does get occasional miniseries or one-shots in graphic novels, but frequently he's brought in as he's been used in the movies. When Nick Fury walks in the room, it's the, holy crap, something major is about to happen, and you get that feeling. So he adds an immediate element of worldwide threat and saying, whatever you're dealing with, this is big. We also see something in his character here that lasts a long time throughout the series. You get some characters like Superman, who they say never lies, or at least never lies about anything but his secret identity. You get other characters where honesty is paramount, and that's the first thing. That's not the case with Nick Fury. We see right here in the way he handles the Fantastic Four, his main goal is getting the job done. And if he's got to lie through his teeth, to make that happen, that's what he's going to do. He's going to get the job done in the quickest and most efficient way possible and helps the greatest number of people possible. And if that means telling you a pack of lies to your face, that is what he's going to do. It's not a philosophy I live by in my day-to-day life, but it's nice to see someone in comics behaving that way just to have a little more diversity in our heroic characters. Because that's the other thing about Nick Fury. He is a hero. He will always be fighting the good fight. Now, there's times that he's set up as the villain of the piece, but it's never because he's acting evilly or he's acting selfishly if he seems to be the adversary that the hero is running up against well that's just because his goals conflict with this month's hero you know so if he shows up in daredevil and he and daredevil are at odds it's because they disagree on which choices work for the greater good not because either one of them is not working towards the greater good so we're going to be seeing a lot more of that in the weeks to come if this podcast is the one that's chosen now in terms of the other podcasts to pick from we're going to be running through those each day this week again i'm your host blaine dowler and thank you for listening listening.